Hey everyone, how you doing? This is Amon Green, Green Bay Packers all-time leading rusher, and you're listening to The Average Cheese, hosted by Dell and Todd, two lifelong Packer fans talking about their favorite team, the 13-time champion, Green Bay Packers. Go Pack Go! Welcome to episode 68 of the Average Cheese Podcast. I'm Dale Lobel. Todd Widener and Peter Jones are with me today, so it's going to be a good one. It's nice to see both of you. Peter, how are you today, sir? Yeah, doing really good. Doing really good. Always good off the back of another win. Absolutely. Number one seed. Yep, really good. Todd, you? I'm doing well. I mean, that that was a nail-biter, but I don't care if it's one point. It doesn't say so in the win and loss columns. And you're looking good today. You got your uh, average G's t-shirt on from ddgcustoms.com. And it looks like you got a haircut, sir. You're looking pretty nice on, yeah, I, on this audio podcast. I, I, do, I don't remember the barbershop's name. Otherwise, I'd pimp him. <laughs> you plug them? I, I would. Nice. I don't remember. I don't know where the fuck I went. I can't remember the name. Oh, shit. There we go. That's too And hard. Todd just cussed so- twice. <laughs> and when we cuss, that's a quarter in the jar for Habitat for Humanity. Well, uh, before we move on, thanks to Rhonda and the folks at RM Management. And Denise, if you're listening, Denise Guerrero, I will put your shoes in the mail after we record this podcast on Thursday. And Jamie Cheesebutt, I will put your t shirt in the mail also today. So you should have them very soon. If you are listening to us for the first time, we appreciate that. Todd, now with the social media, has moved us up to almost 800 followers. So great job there. That's my, I don't know that's how my department. you find time with all of your jobs to do these things, but <laughs> my, miraculous. My, depa- job. my department leads by example. Yes, they do. Great job. <laughs> yeah, and it's good to see him wear the T-shirt again. I, I think I heard him make make a promise that he's going to keep that T-shirt on until the Packers return a punt for a touchdown. <laughs> ah, or if uh, Rashawn Gary gets a sack. Not going to happen. <laughs> Todd is three and a half sacks away. Three and a half for Sean Gary sacks away from eating a gigantic piece of poster board. No, it's going to be. No, no. Two foot Inter- by paper. three foot poster board. I should Google search like what the most, the least harmful paper is to consume. Well, it's recycled. Know. It's from trees. It's organic. I guess That's so. It's just like I'm eating a tree. That's yeah. how I have to look at it. I'm eating a tree. As a reminder, I did Google the best way to eat paper, and it simply said, don't do it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Despite that, we're hoping that Rashawn Gary gets his three and a half sacks. He's now down to three games, right? Three games left to do it in. Before we get on, you can find us at AVG Cheese on Twitter, like I said before. And you can find us on Facebook, even though I've not posted shit there lately. And you can email us, avgcheese at gmail.com. And Peter, in 11 days, we'll have a website for us. So, Ooh. <laughs> what's it going to look like? It's going to be spectacular. He still hasn't started. It's probably in the final production stage. Yeah, it's going to be amazing. Can't wait to see that. Man, he's probably been hard at work. Yeah, absolutely. It is episode 68, and every week we have a new Packer player. So, Peter... 
the historian of this group will tell us about our new 68. Go ahead, sir. When I think of number 68 for the Packers, one name always comes to mind. It's Gail Gillingham. I wrote an article about three years ago, which was the top 10 Packer players not yet in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Bobby Dillon was number two, and he since gone in. Leroy Butler was number three. Gail Gillingham was at the very top of that list. Okay. He played for the Packers at the end of the Lombardi era through the middle of the 70s, so from 66 to 76, was an all-pro guard, five-time all-pro in the 10 seasons in which he played, five-time pro bowler, played on two Super Bowl teams, and was the outstanding player on some not-so-great Packer teams in the early 70s. So that's probably why he doesn't get the recognition that, that he deserves. Great, great guard, huge guy for the time in which he played and was one of the very first guys to be a huge weight lifting and power lifting guy. Two of his sons have gone on to be world champion or American champion power lifters and taken part in the strongman competitions and stuff. So it's kind of gone through the, gone through the family, but started his career at left guard and then moved to right guard. So took, basically took over from Jerry Kramer through that end of the end of the sixties through the seventies period just a super, super player. And I know that speaking to some guys close to the organization a few years ago, there are people around the organization, certainly at that time, that thought that Gail Gillingham was possibly the best guard in Packers history. Wow. And that says a lot when we know what's great players that, that the Packers have had at, at that position. Now, it's opinions, but, it, but all I will say is he's certainly up there. And I think that just lacks that recognition because mainly most of his career was spent on the, the you know, in the post Lombardi era. But most Hall of Fame worthy Packer player, Pro Football Hall of Fame worthy Packer player who's not yet in. I think his chances, unfortunately, are pretty slim just because of the period in which he in which he played, and it's certainly up there with the best guards. Certainly, the problem is for an offensive lineman is you don't have any stats, and the longer yeah. you're out of the game the more irrelevant you become. We need to have Dave Burkett back on, the writer for the Detroit Free Press who votes for the Hall of Fame. Because I'd love, them to, I'd love to ask him these questions. You know, put your hat on and tell us why Leroy Butler doesn't make it into the Hall of Fame. Why Gail Gillingham doesn't make it into the Hall of Fame. It, you know, not his opinion, but yeah. give the why they should make it into the Hall of Fame and why they shouldn't make it into. I think that would be very interesting just to get the perspective of someone who votes for that. And of course, the other problem that, that Gail Gillingham now has is the same difficulty that Jerry Kramer had. He's now on the seniors list. Only one of those guys is going in per year or one or two, you know, depending on, on which year it is. Uh, there's, you know, there's literally hundreds of those guys that are at least worthy of having their, their yeah. case heard, you know, so be very very difficult i see here that arnie herber the tailback wore 68 in 1934 <laughs> yeah you're like i don't know who's gonna run the ball everybody's wearing 60 <laughs> on their back <laughs> what the fuck? that's ridiculous uh, now they're I all guess, going the other way they all want to wear like two and i guess there was some other other 68s greg cook in the in the 80s was there for a long time good player on the offensive line mike wall Marco Rivera as those joint guards, Mike, Mike Wall, Wall 68. So there's been some, it's one of those numbers. It's one of the better numbers, certainly the ones that we've talked about recently. Yeah, I would agree. 
I was going to say Mike Wall was a really good player for the Packers was for a, a couple of years. Yeah. And then when I think of play on with Carolina for a couple of years after yeah. the Packers let him go, Greg Cook was like taught in my youth, right? Like oh, yeah. 79, yeah. 80, 81, right in there. Pretty yeah. good player too. But, so let's talk slices. Thank you, Peter, for that. Gail Gillingham. The Tampa Bay Brady's complete meltdown against a really not very good New Orleans Saints team right now, quarterback by Taysom Hill, who is fucking terrible as a quarterback. Yes. Any thoughts, Peter, on that whole meltdown thing? What do you think's going on there? It looks like, for, for, whatever, for whatever reason, Tampa Bay doesn't match up well with the Saints last year and, and, and this year. I, I just think that, I mean, Brady obviously got very frustrated. I mean, anytime you don't put any points on, on the board, it's, it's, it's frustrating. And it felt like, as, as I watched that game, it felt like the longer it stayed at, at 6 nothing, eventually... Tampa Bay is going to go down and score, but it just just didn't happen. And and to be honest, it never looked like it was going to happen. To be honest, they they, they were not very good. He hasn't been shut out very many times in his career either, right? I think that was like one of three times or something. Oh, three? That's it? I I want to say it was something. It was relatively low. I can't remember what they said, but okay. Either way, like shutting Brady out is pretty uncommon. I I guess I wanted to talk about like I think his quarterback rating was somewhere like. In the 50s, I think I want to say it was 57. He threw no touchdowns in a pick. So if you take, if you look at the MVP race right now as it stands, you got to look at, you know, it, whatever. You can compare the stats all day long, right? But Rodgers sat out an entire game with COVID. That's a no, no stat game, right? Brady, you could pretty much throw this game in as a, as one of those, as if he almost didn't play. Where do they line up now? I think, in, in my opinion, I mean, Rodgers definitely caught him on this one. Like, I, n- not only are they neck and neck, but I would have to say after Rodgers' performance in this game, I think his quarterback rating was like 130-something, mm-hmm. something, something crazy. And I would think he's up. I think he's up. I think he's, I think he's leading it. I don't know what you guys think about that, but I, I think he's just took the – took the lead in the MVP race. I would have to agree. Peter and I were talking about before you, we started recording, it's a three-person race. Rodgers, Brady, yeah. and Jonathan Taylor. And yeah. I would say that maybe because it's such a quarterback-heavy award now, that maybe if Brady and Rodgers cancel themselves out and Jonathan Taylor can have some big games down the stretch, maybe it's his MVP to win. Do I think that Rodgers moved above Brady? Oh, yeah, I do. Absolutely. You can't shit down your leg like Brady did and stay at the top of that race. Not after this game. He was terrible in this game. So I do believe that Rodgers is ahead of him. And I would say that Rodgers is still ahead of Jonathan Taylor at this point, too. But I think it's more of an even race than it usually is. Usually it's just yeah. a quarterback. I think you have to look at too is like who's done more with less. And if you ask that, if you answer that question, it's a clear answer. It's Rodgers all day long. I mean, he hasn't played on a full strength squad at all this year. Your star players have been missing since week four when Alexander went down. Could be back-to-back yeah. MVPs. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I think, you know, normally it's a, it's a quarterback award and normally by this stage of the season, 
you know, there's been a quarterback that's got well out, well out ahead and has almost won it by with three or four games to go, like Rodgers pretty much did last year. I think this year, I think there is the possibility that Rodgers and Brady cancel each other out in terms of votes. So they split the votes one slightly more than, than the other. And Rodgers absolutely, I think, is ahead now. And that, as, as Dale just described, Jonathan Taylor somehow slips up the middle and, and would be a worthy winner. And yep. I think I think we're at the situation now with, what is it, three games left in the season for, for, for all the teams other than the teams that are playing right this minute. Um, it's almost a three-game shootout for those guys uh, who performs best on the national TV stage across those last three games may well may well win it. And if Godwin is gone for the season and Mike Evans is hurt and now you're throwing it to Antonio Brown, if he ever comes back, Gronkowski, that's going to be a tougher role to hoe for Tom Brady, whereas, you know, Devontae Adams, knock on wood, healthy right now, you know, that's, yeah, I'd feel good if I was Aaron Rodgers in that. How did the Cardinals lose to the Lions? Like, you are a playoff contending team playing a team who, to be fair to Dan Campbell, has played hard for him, but they're not on the talent level of the Cardinals at this point. That should never happen. I mean, kudos to the Lions and Dan Campbell, but Todd, any thoughts on any of that mess that is Arizona right now? Uh, they are a mess. I, I, I give credit to the Lions, I, honestly. I mean, they're playing for this coach. They found something late in the season, and maybe maybe it takes, you know, struggling for, for, well, I mean, the organization has struggled forever, but I guess when you talk about, like, how they've struggled with this coach, and now they've kind of, it, it seems like they've found something, that there's some type of, they're becoming more in sync with the coach, and, and they're playing for the guy. I mean, I give credit to him, but yeah, I, I don't think, I, I just don't think that the Cardinals are a good football team this year. I, I just, you know, I was, I've never been impressed with them this year. There's been a lot of talk with them. They have, you know, a really good record, but I just don't see them as, as a threat whatsoever. Yeah. And it's interesting to, you know, Detroit over the last, the last few weeks, they've beaten the Vikings, they tied the Steelers. Now they've beaten the card. That's pretty impressive over a four or five game stretch. They lost a couple of games in there, but you know, that's pretty impressive. And the, the, the Cardinals, this coming Sunday, they play the Colts. They play the, Cow- they play the Cowboys the week after that. And then they play the Seahawks. But those, the next two games, the Colts and the Cowboys, are games that are eminently, you know, losable for the Cardinals. And they'll find themselves slipping way down the playoff seeding if they're not, if they're not careful. Yeah, I mean, the Lions, they lost to the Bills by one. They lost to the Ravens by two. They lost to, well, they tied the Steelers, I guess you could say. But um, they also lost to the Browns by three. They lost to the Bears by two. So, I mean, that's, what, four games? Yeah. By by a field goal or less. Mm -hmm. And the Packers Packers have to go there in week 17. Yeah. Yeah, and they're on a roll. Good for those guys, right? I mean, a lot of teams will shut her down this late in the season and not care. The Bears. Look at how bad the Bears looked last. Although they, you know, they racked up a lot of yards, but they they just looked terrible. They looked they did. completely disjointed. They looked all over the place. They look like that team that's looking to see what they're going to do after the season is over. I put. It's funny you put this in the notes, Todd, because I put this on Twitter. Wink Martindale, the game show host, is now the DC I, of the Baltimore <laughs> Ravens. Well, I was watching the game. I'm like. Are, is, 
is Aikman or Buck all fucked up or something and calling him Wink Bartendale? I'm like, there's no fucking way. But yeah, I guess his name is fucking Wink Bartendale. Fucking golf gloves on. He had golf gloves on? You didn't? Yes. You know, like the... you know, like I mean, I'm sure in the, when, when they're in the when they're in the locker room, there's just got to be just a shit ton of stuff, like whatever you want, right? I mean, cleats and just you know all all the shit, right? That dude's rolling out with double golf gloves on, man, and his hands are so fat, like the the fucking Velcro couldn't even like get pulled over on him. It's like, what are you doing, dude? You go go to the fucking locker room and grab some Nikes or, or a fucking some Under Armors. Like look like a fucking football coach, not a fucking golf coach. The fuck? <laughs> I don't know how many squares that was. That was a lot. Holy shit! What, what you're saying is it would have been better if it was dressed up as a game show host. Is that what you? Is that yeah, what you're with, with, with a golf club. He should have came club. on with his big collar, like in his seventies and stuff. Light blue suit. Yeah. Oh yeah, he should have. He should do that every week. You are Wink Martindale, aren't you? <laughs> of course, growing up in the UK, it was actually lost on me, so I had to I had to go and look up. Who, who <laughs> you look it up Wink, when I put yeah, that Who there? the original Wink Martindale was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. man, I can't believe that that came to me, man. 70s game show host. Awesome. Yeah. They canceled practice today, Peter. Any, what happened there? I mean, is it COVID-related? What's going on? Well, I mean, that was the... The scare at the time it was it was it was cancelled today. Uh, the Twitter world went a, went a bit berserk for about an hour, wondering why the Packers have cancelled practice today. But it seems like no big deal. I think it's just Matt Lafleur. Seems like Matt Lafleur just playing around with the schedule, and I think giving the guys some extra time extra time off to perhaps spend with their families as it's Chris, as it's Christmas week, an extra afternoon or whatever to spend with their with their families. So I think all's well that ends well there. I think started as a story and became an, a no story as the day went on. Of course, later in the day, we found out that MVS had gone onto the COVID list. Like you said before, you finally caught something. <laughs> Maybe I said but, that. I don't remember. Well, anyway. <laughs> I mean, it, I, I mean, I, ironically, it, it would come after he played one of his best games of the season. Yeah, right. He did. Yeah. So speaking of that, Packers thirty-one, Ravens thirty. Peter, you were spot on with your score prediction or very close. I think you said 31-28, didn't you? 31-28, yeah. Yeah, that really close. You need to go to Vegas. The, yeah. Peter's now the gambling uh, <laughs> IT hedgehog. The degenerate gambling <laughs> IT hedgehog. Yeah, of the Average Cheese podcast. The, the, there you the, go. The good for me, I, I mean, obviously, this Rogers is just hitting his – like this is the prime time for him, and exactly what I was saying when they went into the break during the uh, the bye week, he's going to come out and and just be on fire, and he is. I mean, super crazy accurate throws. I mean, I there was just more than a handful in this game again, and the quarterback rating was through the roof. Oh, what did he have in this game? He had four touchdowns, three total? touchdowns, passes, or okay, like I mentioned before too, is you know. Lights out across the stat board, just the way he's conducting this whole offense and doing so much with so little. Hats off to him. I think we've got ourselves another MVP, back-to-back MVPs. Can walk into Guten Krause's office and slam it down on the desk again. End of Give him the finger. Yeah. Walk instead out. Of a, instead, of a mic, <laughs> instead of a mic drop, it's MVP trophy drop. Boom. You have to and gently walk drop out. that thing. 
you know, yeah. even though he's won it a couple of times. You yeah. know, I told my son, we went out to eat last night. I told my son, I said, boy, I know you don't watch a lot of Packer games. I said, but you should sit down and watch Aaron Rodgers because you are you may be watching the greatest thrower of a football of all times, the greatest quarterback we've ever seen. He throws balls that guys shouldn't throw. And I know I've said this a million times, but he does it every week. He throws a ball that's in the smallest of windows against a linebacker who should be able to just run into the football with his back. You know what I'm saying? Like he throws it in the most perfect spots. I don't have any words for that anymore. It's just, it's beyond adjectives for me. He is that damn good. 132.3 132.3 quarterback rating. I don't think there is, you know, Mahomes had it for a while, you know, because he just got over the amount of attempts he needed to like qualify for the stat of the highest QB rating, but he don't stay there long-term. I don't think there is a quarterback in the NFL right now that can approach Aaron Rodgers' quarterback rating for a career. I don't think there's a, a lot to add to that. I mean, as good as Rogers has been all season in the last three or four weeks, he's been extra good. If that's, if that's the thing, very, very good. Just when you think he couldn't get better. I mean, he's just been really, really good. The last, the last four weeks, I think we've seen a special performance for three or four weeks following on from what's been a very good performance for the first half of the season. I I just think can't add a lot to what you guys have said. I saw that on Twitter that of the quarterbacks with 442 touchdowns, Brett Favre had like 292 interceptions to go with his 442 touchdowns. So for every four touchdowns, he threw almost three interceptions. Like That's a crazy bad statistic, isn't it? He tied Favre in this game. He did. That's why I brought him up. Aaron Rodgers has thrown 442 touchdowns and 93 interceptions. He has thrown 200 less interceptions than Brett Favre, who was an amazing quarterback, too. Brady has thrown 152. That's the closest of the five quarterbacks, interceptions-wise. Like Breeze, it was Breeze, Brady, Favre. And I can't remember the other quarterback that was in there. Yeah. Oh, Manning, Peyton Manning. And I think they were all over 200. Brady was a 150 and the rest of them were all over 200. So someday you need to go back and watch these games again just to watch how great he was. Todd's boy, MVS, five catches, 98 yards and a touchdown protocol. Now he's on foot. Now he fu- exactly. Now he shit himself again. Can't I mean, catch like- a break. It, was, was did you see the did you see the t- the touchdown celebration? It was it was I mean you don't always see Rodgers run up and start celebrating with, with with the receiver, right? But they did and that was like to me it was probably just like about fucking time, dude. <laughs> like one of those. I don't know. It's uh, it just kind of struck me strange because, you know, if it's Devontae Adams or something, I mean, they don't even like it's like I'll see you on the sideline, bro. <laughs> you know, it's you know what I mean? Like they don't even they might just look over at each other and like, yep, yep, that's that's normal. But with MVS, yeah, they had like a little bro hug going on, a little bromance afterwards. And Rogers genuinely looked happy for MVS on that yeah. Like he was very excited about that. He played well. As much as we've ripped on him, he, he played well in this game. 
Absolutely. Peter, didn't Devontae Adams pass Jordy Nelson in this game for touchdowns by a Packer? He's got 70 receiving touchdowns, so it's now just second behind Don Hudson's 99, you know, which is pretty impressive when you think of all the the great receivers that the Packers have, have had. The James Loftons, the Sterling Sharp, and then that period with, you know, Donald Driver and Jordy Nelson and Greg Jennings and those guys. So that's really impressive performance. Did, did he break it or he tied it? He broke it. Okay. It would have been cool if they each, Rodgers threw a touchdown pass to, to Adams, breaking Favre's record and then breaking Nelson's record at the same time for the touchdown. Yeah. That would, that would have been cool. Yeah. That's a, then they'd have to fight over the fucking ball. <laughs> Cut right? the ball who, in who, half. who gets the ball? And that, you know, right. I, bro- I broke Jordy's fucking record. I broke Fars. Fuck you. I thought that Mercedes Lewis, again, oh, yeah. th- three three catches this week, four the previous week. But it's not just making the catches. He's so difficult to, to get down, isn't he, after the catch? Although he doesn't make huge yards, it's just, um, I think every time he catches the ball, it's almost a, a boost for those of us watching and for the, and for the offense itself, the whole team. The whole team, so difficult to so difficult to bring down, and you know if you average three catches a game, that's fifty in a season, fifty one in a in a season. Add to that outstanding blocking skills, then you know still at the age of sixty two, it's still turning it on every <laughs> week week in week out. Man, I thought he was, I thought he was going to score. Yeah. that one. Yeah, I was like get in, get in. I was like, ah, shit. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, and I think Rogers, Rogers wanted him to score too, but yeah, he did have a good game, man. And an uh, overall game, Peter, yeah. like you just said, he, the blocking, it's just an assumed thing. He's going to have a very good blocking game every game. It's what he does, but to catch balls and make some yards after catch, it's kind of unexpected. And when he does it, that's a boost. They need a you know, second and a third and a fourth guy to show up once in a while. And he, he has been recently. So that's pretty cool. What about the bad offensively? It's difficult to find too much that was that was really bad. I mean, they didn't really get the running game going. I don't know what they ended up with. Nearly 100 yards, I, I think, r- rushing. You know, I think there was one play that Aaron Jones broke off for about 10 or 11 yards. But other than that, there wasn't a lot in the running game. I guess it was enough. That's the other thing. And, you know, I, I, I'm really being picky now. It was when Rogers missed Lazard midway through the fourth quarter, which should have been a should have been a touchdown pass, and certainly Rogers knew it. No excuses there. And, and at the time it happened, you know the Packers kicked the field goal, went ahead by fourteen points. I don't think anybody knew that it was potentially could have been that significant. So that was, I don't want to call it bad. It was just disappointment at that stage of the stage of the game. Are you talking about the touchdown where he like crunched his neck when he fell? Yeah. No, was it? No, it no. isn't the same play. There no. was the one where uh, Lazar was essentially running free. There wasn't a guy yeah. within five yeah. yards. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Just hit him with the pass. I mean, the Packers ran 25 times for 96 yards and a touchdown. That's almost four yards of carry. Like you said, Peter, like that's not bad. A.J. Dillon didn't have a great game. He only had seven carries for 22 yards, which is a little bit surprising. But we have to remember that the Ravens secondary was like, on like guy number eight. Yep. I mean, they were really depleted in this game. So the idea was to throw the football in this game. It's pretty much that simple. They were going to throw more than they were going to run. And the balance was pretty good, actually. 31 passes, 25 rushes. That's fine. There isn't a lot of bad to talk about. 
Rodgers also, though, missed Devontae Adams. Was it the first play or the first series? Oh, uh, yeah. Which yeah. was a, yeah. a play that they hit almost all the time. And that could have been third down. Yeah, too. it could have changed the momentum. Could have put it in the Packers' favor real quickly there. So he missed a couple passes, but Kelly missed some a couple, a couple blocks. Yeah, he whiffed a few times. Yeah, he did. There was no <laughs> real ugly for this in this game. Do you think? No, no, not offensively. You score thirty-one points. There's probably right. not a lot of ugly. Let's move on to defense. Todd, your guy, Eric Stokes. Thought he looked good again. Well, I think he matched up on on. Each of those Rashad Bateman is is he a rookie? I think Rashad Bateman's a rookie. Is that right? Yeah. Stokes look look good, man. I mean, just a solid game, man. He was going against, you know, all the number ones or the number twos, man. They're sending him his way. I thought he had a great game. He does not look like a rookie out there. I would agree with that. Holy shit. The good for me, and we I know we say it every week. Devondre Campbell, 10 tackles, tackle for a loss, quarterback hit, one sack. Like he filling a stat sheet. That guy's about to make a bunch of money. Yeah. I actually hope and praise with the Packers because when you make those kind of plays and you're really not standing out, we've gotten used to great play from him every week. We're just used to it. And I think that he is a guy that can help the Packers going forward. Yeah, he's got he they've got to retain him. Peter, any other goods defensively? I thought it was it was solid for most for most of the game, you know, considering Kenny Clark wasn't playing. I thought the line held up pretty well, and we'll get to some of the bad and ugly in a minute. But no, I, I think that solid would be the yeah. word word that I would I would use. Nothing really outstanding for me. Well, you gave up thirty points to a team that usually scores about twenty, so yeah. not great, right? But not. I mean, oh, and your special teams can't, you know, give you the. It's just giving away field position. Come on. We will get to the special teams, sir. No, it's the SFT. Special fucking teams, not yes. the special teams. There you go. Not bad for you. I thought Preston Smith was just lost on the containment issue. It just seemed every time that, you know, they would start getting some pressure on Hunt. What's the name? Huntley? Huntley, yeah. yeah. They seemed to be running to his side because he would just be, you know, collapsed down uh, inside the pocket and Huntley would just run outside. It, I just thought he had a terrible game, Preston Smith in general. It's he does this, right? He's just like bad game or just completely disappears and then all of a sudden, oh, there he is, you know, and he suddenly reappears again. It's like I just thought he had a shit game for, for this game. And Darnell Savage was getting his ass beat by by Andrews. The, the touchdown throw too was I mean, for me, it's like he just needs to play the football there, you know, and, and he's He's trying to, you know, slips behind the, the tight end. And it's like, dude, there's fucking nothing behind you. You're not defending the, the you know, the open field or, the you know, the potential yardage. You know, you got to play the football there and, and, and try to bat it, and, you know, knock his arms or something. But, man, he got burnt all day long by the tight end. And for that matter, nobody on the Packers could really cover a tight end. So it wasn't just him. They didn't have another answer, right? No. They were like, who else is it going to be? Well, they brought fucking King in, and he sucked. <laughs> yes. He <laughs> was awful in this fucking game. God. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's – I mean, he's, he's lost his role to Razul Douglas, right? At For this sure. point. Peter, I want to ask you this. I was talking to somebody 
you're the guy I go to when I need some facts. Is it the three, four <laughs> scheme that struggles against running quarterbacks because of the way a three, four scheme rushes the quarterback? I don't know if that made any fucking sense. It does make sense. And I, and I, and I think that, I think it still depends. I think to a degree, yes, but I think it depends on the personnel that you have. I think the Packers have got, whilst the, it's a base 3-4, it's almost those two outside linebackers, particularly when it's Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith or Rashan Gary, those guys are 95% pass rushers. I think that in other 3-4 setups, if you look at, I always start by looking at the the giants of the 80s, and you think Lawrence Taylor rushing the passer from from the right side, but you had Carl Banks on the left side who would cover the, could cover the tight end, would play the run, very underrated, another guy that should be a Hall of Famer, by the way. I think it's personnel, and I think that the Packers have gone for, if you look at all of those guys, they're very similar type guys, very similar physically, athletically, and very similar type type players and so i think that they're just kind of almost schematically set up to struggle with contain because they're not those type of players <laughs> that, that's kind of kind of where we are i mean i, I guess in the four three if you can get the, the pass rush from those four guys and you don't have to send other send other guys you know again we look back and we look at the 96 packers and you think of wayne simmons covering the tight end and stuffing the tight end on the on the line of scrimmage and giving contain and Brian Williams on the other side. And those guys were classic contain defenders. Didn't get a lot of press. Williams certainly didn't get a lot of press, but was a, was a super player. So I think there is something in that. I think there's something in formation, but I do think there's a lot in the type of players that the Packers have got. And I think they're very similar. Thank you. That's a great point. I mean, all three of those guys, Z Smith, Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary, are pass rushers. And Jonathan Garvin is, if you, if you want to yeah. throw him in as the fourth guy, yeah. similar, type, similar type guy. So that's what they're I asking. Wouldn't even, I wouldn't even give him credit for that. <laughs> he <laughs> attempts to be that guy. Ugh. So let's move on to special fucking teams. Peter, unless you got anything else you want to talk about defensively? No, I don't think so. I mean, I think, you know, that the tight end thing was a, was a problem, but I think that was going to be a struggle coming in. So I want to talk about some good stuff, special teams-wise. We'll start with Todd's favorite kicker, Mason Crosby, was perfect once again, two weeks in a row, made every kick through the uprights. Nothing to say. You can't say shit about that. Did you see the kicks? (laughs) I did. Watch the ball go through the uprights. And it did. And it's ugly. Every fucking time. It looks like a wounded duck going through there. Yeah. Ugly, ugly kicks. I will take his ugly kicks going through the uprights every time. And I, I know you, we put it in the notes and I agree with you on this part. Mason Crosby's leg strength. I don't think he can kick long enough to get touchbacks on kickoffs anymore. And I think that's a problem, especially with how bad our special teams is. How about the wind? What if he's got to kick into the fucking wind? He's going to maybe make it to the 30. <laughs> be lucky. You get a windy day at Lambeau and he's fucked. If you can forget fun. field goals, field goals, they're not even a attempt those. It's either two point conversions or nothing or nothing. That's it. 
if only we had a kicking expert on this on podcast the, on the average cheese yeah i just took that title too now <laughs> i'll take that as well add it to my list of responsibilities you are seriously underpaid on this podcast mm-hmm. my god mm-hmm. all the things that are all the responsibilities you have i know it's it's, it's adding up i might get a gray hair uh, you need to talk to hr we told you this last week yeah did you have that okay. conversation uh, well i either have to talk in the mirror <laughs> or I have to talk to myself, and I don't want people to really see that. So I don't want to be locked up. <laughs> Another positive is, and I don't know how this is possible, but Horkes must have kicked one like 90 yards because he shanked one out of bounds, but he averaged 48.7 yards per kick. That's pretty good. Yeah, that shank out of bounds was fucking ugly. Oh, it was. And that was bad timing. And for me, the special teams going into every game, I think to myself, what can they possibly fuck up this time? I mean, they've really done it all. And then they just find another way to fuck up again. And they did it again in this game. A delay of game on a punt deep in your own territory. They call it back. And then Bjork shanks a fucking punt on top of it. Then you had the kickoff, which was, I thought it was a brilliant call by Harbaugh because you know, their return team is awful. They pooched that thing down the, I think it was down the left side. Right. And they put, that was a perfect, perfectly placed kick, by the way, right in between Taylor, Patrick Taylor and Garvin. And each one of them were like looking at one another, like they have never seen a football before in their fucking lives <laughs> and had no idea what the fuck to do with it. There it is. There it is. You take it. Oh, what, what do we do? What do we do? And then Garvin's dumbass just fucking fell on it. Luckily. I mean, fuck <laughs> that was so fucking terrible to watch. And you know, teams are doing like, why not? Why not do something like that? For Harbaugh, I thought it was a brilliant call. And that kick was perfect. I mean, literally perfect. They don't have their shit together on a normal kickoff, so might as well fuck them up some more. Yeah. Right? And see, what, see how they react. And then you get what you get. Two guys who don't have any clue what to do. It's very difficult to add something to that. I mean, I think that in the off season, I'll probably do something to just, just to look at to see. My, my concern about the special teams is kind of, a longer term thing in that we've been through special teams coach after special teams coach after special teams coach for the last 15 years or so. And barring the odd season here and there, it's been pretty much the same. You know, they've ranked bottom four, six times in the last 12 seasons. And that's not even counting this year. I think not very good for the last few years. And I, and, and you have to wonder, is that about drafting and I not drafted the right guys or whatever it might be. So I have to look at, look at that in, in in the off season but you know Todd summed it up there isn't a lot else you can you can add to it big concern is obviously that when you get into tight games the last three games of the season or particularly the playoffs where there's no coming back is that one of those plays is the, is the play that costs you the NFC championship or yeah. whatever, whatever it might be because your offense is starting to hit and while the defense has sort of dropped off a little bit recently you know, you get Jair Alexander back. I don't know what Zadarius Smith is going to do. You know, you start figuring things out. The other thing I thought of, and I know this isn't special teams related at all, 
But who are you going to play in the playoffs? You're going to play Tom Brady. You're going to play Matthew Stafford, maybe. You know, you're not going to play Tyler Huntley or Lamar Jackson. You know, you're going to play guys that are going to stand in the pocket for the most part. So you're not going to get beat like they did in this game. And that's going to help. Whoever you end up with in the AFC, Mac Jones? Nope. Patrick Mahomes? Probably not. You know what I mean? Like, you don't have to worry about that like you did in this game. So you have a solid defense. And it, like you just said, Peter, it's going to come down to special fucking teams. And that's, it's not going to get fixed. Jones was back there on kickoff return. Oh, I know. You just want him to get down immediately. Putting him back there. Your number one running back you're going to put back there to get fucking killed? I did not like that call at all. I don't know. I mean, I, I know they said it's all hands on deck. Like, everyone's got to contribute because all these shitbirds can't fucking play football. So everybody's got to do their part. But you don't put fucking Aaron Jones back there. Like, what are you doing? And didn't Shannon Sullivan return a punt or, like, catch a punt? Too. Yeah, he was, back. Yeah. He was yeah. on punt. I'm all for that, though. I'll just right. say it. Fair catch it on the 10 every time or whatever. Let's just move forward with the offense because the offense can make it happen. You know, hopefully they kick it through the end zone. They don't do any of that mess you were talking about before, Todd, because that's a real problem. What about Stokes? He's so I don't want him hurt either. I don't don't either. But, I mean, if you're putting Aaron Jones back there, I mean, put Stokes back there on punt coverage. No, not better. No, thank you. All right, let's move on to the Cleveland Browns. Play the Cleveland Browns this week who really didn't look good. Uh, yesterday, right, Peter? That was yesterday. Monday. What day Monday. is it? Yeah. What is yep. today? Can't. I don't know. You know, they went into that game with twenty-two players on the on the COVID list. I think eight or nine starters weren't playing. Um, third string quarterback who had been not not with the team very long, Nick Nick Mullins. They were short-handed at short notice. So it's not it's not as though they had a lot of time to prepare. You know, it's one thing when you get season-ending injuries and, and time to prepare for injuries and stuff. But, you know, with players almost going down daily onto the COVID list, I was surprised that the Browns kept that game as close as, as, close as they did and, and probably should have won that game against the Raiders. I just look at this Browns team and I like their defense is pretty tough. I mean, who will quarterback against the Packers? I, I think that's part of the question, right? You got to start there. Is it Baker Mayfield? Baker Mayfield is playing, I think, with a torn labrum or something like that. Like, he's yep. got some real yeah. – he's got a lot of body issues. It's not just the shoulder. Yep. He's got a lot of stuff going on. Case Keenumans then the backup. He's terrible. <laughs> yeah, you're down on Nick Mullins. Like, that. that's important, right? That's a big – that's a start right there. Mayfield will play if he, if he gets through the COVID protocol. I've no idea where, where that situation is. I did hear him – I think he even tweeted it on – Monday or Sunday or Monday saying that he was feeling okay, was about to take another COVID test. So I think that might have been Monday. So, so I guess there's an expectation perhaps that he's going to, he's going to be the guy on Saturday, but who knows? Cause Nick Chubb is, is a great player. Kareem Hunt's out. Austin Hooper tight end out. I mean, you just, you got a ton of guys now, granted, they're probably going to come off COVID protocol. They're going to come back and they'll be playing against the Packers. So it'll be a different team than was out there, lat, you know, yesterday. You know, the tight ends on that team, because they're struggling on the outside, you know, with OBJ gone, Jarvis Landry hasn't delivered, Donovan Peoples-Jones, the third third guy, is hit and miss 
But those tight ends are pretty are pretty good. Austin Hooper, David and Joku. Again, given what happened with the tight end situation this past weekend with the Packers, for me, if you're the Browns, the way you want to do this is you're going to run the football. You're going to run the football with Nick Chubb, and you're going to keep running Nick Chubb, and you're going to throw to the tight ends. And that's that for me would be their would be their game plan to try and beat the Packers. God, wouldn't it be great if they could just go to Green Bay and get really up in this game to the point where they could sit some guys late, you know, maybe in the fourth quarter or something. Like you said, Dale, I think they have a legitimate defense. So I I think they're going to have their work cut out for them a little bit in in this game. But, uh, and Nick Chubb is the real deal. I I think if they could, if they can focus on shutting him down, I don't really think that the Browns offense has much to offer after that. I think I, I like, I like our matchups outside of Chubb. Yeah, offensively, they don't scare you. Austin Hooper, if he's back, it's not him as much as it's the Packers can't do anything with that position that really scares you. But their defense, you know what? I'm actually looking forward to watching Owusu Karamoa play. Like, I have not watched a Browns game. And, you know, we talked about him maybe being a Packer. I really kind of want to see what he does on a football field. Because I did watch a little bit. He's really small. He looks like a safety playing linebacker. So I, I, I'm kind of interested to see what they can do. You know, Miles Garrett is a great player. Jadavian Clowney has never really lived up to the hype. But he's, you know, he's done things. He's been okay. He's not, he's not going to be the Jadavian Clowney that you expected him to be. But also, he, he might be going up. Will he be, is he the right defensive end or the left? He'd be going yes, up against Yash right. Diamond or Dennis Kelly. Yeah. It's not like he's yeah, going he's up against right. Bakhtiari and Turner. Yeah. Garrett's a you know a suit player, as good as there is in this league at the position that he that, that he plays. The corners are really good, Greedy Williams and Denzel Ward. So they're good good on the outside, and that'll be an interesting matchup with those guys with Devontae Adams. But you know, I, I think if you can control them up front, and that will be the key is is how the Packers tackles play up against. Miles Garrett in in particular, I think if you can control Miles Garrett, then you're three quarters of the way there to be to beating the Browns. But. Is Greg Newsom out too? I don't know if he has COVID too. He's one of those you know, starters that are out, but I thought he he's on that roster, so I don't know where he's at. I, I'm with you, Peter. If they can keep Miles Garrett from beating up on Aaron Rodgers, the offense will continue to click. If they can stop Nick Chubb, Todd, like you said, he's really their biggest name and their offensive threat, especially if Mayfield isn't 100% healthy. I like the Eric Stokes on Jarvis Landry matchup. I take that all day long. I think that's a yeah. matchup that the Packers win. Newsom is on the he's on the COVID list. So he missed the previous game with a concussion and then one of their many players that went onto the COVID list this past week. So maybe we should get a score prediction, yeah? Finish off episode 68. Well, since it's Chris, the week of Christmas, I'll put on my, this is my wish list. So it'll be a wish. I, 38-6 Packers. Wow. 38-6. Yeah. Okay. It's a Christmas miracle. Christmas miracle. I'm going for it. 38-6. 38-6. Jordan Love take, takes the last couple series late in the fourth quarter. And okay. Everyone sits. And how many sacks does Rashan Gary have? Well. <laughs> Let's just say I won't be eating paper this season. Four sacks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going Packers 31, Browns 14. 
I think it's going to be a bit closer than that. I say Packers 31, Browns 24. All right. Anything else before we leave? I'm good. All right. So thanks for listening to episode 68, the Gail Gillingham version of the average cheese. And go, Pat, go. Go, Pat, go. Go, Pat, go. Go, Pat, go.